about cowardice and um and and I was actually I was also thinking in terms of men and women and I'm not sure if um I guess yeah women go through that too I mean I certainly do there were certainly incidents in my life when um I felt like I could have stood up for someone and I didn't um either I didn't think to I didn't think it was my place or maybe I feared the consequences or or you know whatever whatever that was holding me back but it's a number of those things um I wonder though and I wonder if this is the differences between men and women that if it if women carry those things as deeply as men do that sense of um Uh, you know, lack of brave bravado, or you know, or uh, what is that word? Cowardice, opposite of cowardice. Yeah, um, uh, the opposite I, of cowardice would be um, courage and brave. yes, courage, yes, courage. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, do you understand uh, what I'm trying to ask? Yeah, it's um. It's a wide question. Um, yeah. Let me let me step into it uh, this way. It's um, partly the, the the way that women are wired um, that um, that they're more, they tend to be more um, compassionate, sociable, agreeable on the on the bell curve of like women. Most women are um, very agreeable and workable. So when you look at children playing um it, you know if it's if they in, in the old days if they're playing jacks if somebody runs out of jacks girls will, will give their their friend jacks uh, um, if it's a board game monopoly it's like well uh, let's give them some extra money so they can stay in and they're concerned about um you know companionship and fairness and they're you know loyal like that um and and it is more hardwired into guys to guy many many guys are agreeable but the there are more ex, on the extreme level all extreme agreeable people are women um, men are more combative and, and competitive and women have a co competition but on the extreme level of competitive it's all men um, so there's something inside of us that competes and if somebody runs out of marbles well they're out and and you know we fight about uh rules and fairness and stuff like that so women um tend to be um uh, related relatable and uh so they don't always think in terms of like uh, courage and um you know cowardice um because they, they um, mm. shall we say, that in a way, they're fierce all the time. You know, they protect their little brothers. They protect their children. There's, so women are, women are, are courageous in a lot more ways like that. But when men have a mission yeah. and um, they feel that single purpose, like stop the, uh, 
stop the beatings, stop the abuse, and I didn't do that, then men carry that as like a stigma of um, failure more than women. Um, well, right. I, I guess the, uh, I guess the, then the question is, is, is it something, is a difference, are those differences innate or is it really more socialization? That it's, you know, it is that we expect of the differences in terms of what we expect of boys and girls and men and women. Um, or is it something more innate where that sense of, you know, courage um, that it's closely, more closely tied to the male identity or the maleness or, you know, as opposed to the feminine or, you know, or women. Well, how I've, how I've resolved that for myself along the way is that it, if we're made in, in God's image, masculine, feminine, it's fair to say that we have like a masculine, feminine energy. And when any of us starts acting on a goal or, you know, focus and things like that, we're, we're coming from our, our masculine energy. So women do that too, when they're CEOs and in, in business and things. And the feminine energy is, tends to be more receptive and inclusive and relaxed and fun and melodic and stuff like that. So male artists and chefs and things like that they're kicking up their like feminine energy so we all we all have a bit of both i think and some some people are by nature you know some for you to put together a podcast like this you had to move it in that direction and the stories probably go all the way back as to like um maybe you realizing you could um punch somebody with a toy and you know and you calmed it down or you became nice um, so there's a, there, a lot of socialization but if you ask most parents it's it's really kind of innate um, my my kids my three boys they would make guns out of broccoli they would they would chew a handle and make it out of broccoli and girls will um, little girls will um, put their trucks to bed. So parents that try to equalize all this, they'll put their trucks to bed. Shh, daddy, it's time for sleep. And so the Tonka trucks have to go to, to sleep. They just do that. You know, in no, that is true. Uh, that we uh, form relationships with objects. Although men do form relationships with certain objects mm -hmm. yes like cars yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> that, that still is sort of confounding because uh, among all things cars is is almost universally like the the kind of relationship that guys have with cars it, uh is not exactly the same as the relationships that women have with objects, like right. their clothing, right. their shoes, or, you know, 
uh, women supposedly are famous for like having a gazillion shoes. Yeah, yeah, I don't know that I do. I'm not a typical, I'm not the stereotypical woman. I am actually, you know what? I was, I was hanging out with a colleague one day and, you know, we were just talking this and that and all that stuff. And all of a sudden in the middle of the conversation, he paused and he commented, you know, you're actually very masculine and like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so apparently I have a very, um, and I knew that, I mean, you know, I growing up when I was little, I was sort of tomboyish. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, I think the way I approach a lot of things are, I don't know, I guess you could call it masculine or whatever. Yeah, well, I don't know. It's, it's but, like, a, I don't think of it like that, uh, like a dis- stark distinction, but ma- it takes, um, should we say, like masculine energy to move something forward or to be focused or when our, our conversation meanders, you bring us back on track. I mean, those are, that's not, you know, masculine like that but it's like that energy right um so i think though i think especially in today's society there's a lot of confusion in terms of what is masculine and what is feminine and um but they also equate that to um maleness like Mm -hmm. male genderness and female genderness and they go further to sort of male privilege and Mm power and political power and and other form you know societal power and other forms of power and Mm -hmm. so i I think there's a lot of conflation going on in terms of what all those things are and so when you're talking about masculine and feminine and and then you know that we can people can often jump to certain conclusions and say well why is moving things forward why is that masculine because they're equating masculine energy with men mm-hmm. you know that that men can do this and women can't that's not what you're saying at all mm, not right at all. No. um but so i think i think though like i don't know i don't know if people listening to this will be able to like sort of tease <laughs> out the differences and all that stuff i mean i'm i'm kind of trusting that maybe my audience my audience of like i don't know how many i was actually looking at the analytics uh yeah. earlier today <laughs> and and i was actually um surprised that it was it was higher than what i expected but it's still very low because you know i'm just starting out um but anyway yeah so these are jams i've looked at your 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 previous um interviews and they're jams i mean you just you have such great conversations you bring out the best in people Um, well i know but i need to promote this and get it out there that's on me (laughs) i mean the numbers being low that's on me more than anything else (laughs) yeah Yeah, i need to actually uh promote it uh harder but um so anyway going back to what i was saying yes so yes uh so um like i would i was i wanted to you know articulate those distinctions that yes. when we say masculine and feminine, we're not necessarily talking about male gender, feminine, uh, female gender, or the power dynamic or any of those things. That right. this is on the energy level. Uh, and, and like you said, 
uh, we all possess both masculine energy mm-hmm. and feminine Absolutely. energy. Um, and, um, and I wouldn't even characterize it as masculine characteristics and female yeah. feminine yeah. characteristics. It's yeah. not even that. Yeah. No, that's what, uh, that's what, you know, storytellers and mythologizers, that's, that's what we talk about around the campfire, but when it comes to, um, relationships, it's like, you gotta, it's improv. You gotta think on your feet. Hey, let me, um, let, let me talk, um, for as long as you want to, but let me yeah. talk about like a soapbox that I, I a distinction that I make in the in the Western world when we talk about um, like romance or sexuality, um, that kind of a, a um, American principle of like uh, make it do it fast. Um, when we symbolize like uh, sexuality in uh, movies and things like that. Uh, do a meme of a rocket ship taking off or a train right. going through time, right? Right. Or or waterfall or fountain. Yeah. 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 I didn't know that that's what it was until like I was in class one day and there was, you know, we were watching a film as part, and then somebody somebody made that comment and I'm like, really, that's what it means. And from that point on, every time I saw it, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> no, you can't unsee it. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I got but, but anyway. that whole that whole push towards um like a speedy result or a climax it's all um it tends to be phallocentric it tends to be uh, to uh, be based on like male sexuality yes. and and that's where you know it, it bleeds into pornography and objectification and things like that and people get hurt in in that whole process so when i started um reaching for a better understanding of what for me and i started linking back to um the middle east and the eastern and um guys are gentle and they're soft and the thoughts are not masculine it's in most pornography is all based on a like a a male point of view or a male fantasy Right. Um, so when I started uh, thinking about like a tantric kind of sense, um, the definitions of tantric are vague, they wide. But the one I like is called uh, the weave, the life weave. So when you think of a, a woven basket, here's two people that are weaving their lives together. Um, you know, and that's like partnership and cooperation and all that. And the focus tended to be on slowing it way down, mm. just not a rush to this. And that the emphasis, and, and this was a big mental issue for um, couples I worked with to, to shift. The women tend to get this right away, but it's a shift away from um, producing a, an orgasm or a climax and shifting it into the area of like pleasure and togetherness. Did we make eye contact? Are we, everything we do, do is it loving? Is it pleasant to both of us? And to get it out of our heads that we have to like, like climax like this um, is, is to shift our frame of reference from judgment, good and bad over to, did we have fun? Are we, 
uh, you know, are you relaxed? Did we have um, pleasure like this? And, and women have uh, a tough time here too, because um, there's a, there's like an unconscious pressure on women to um, entertain or produce something, you know, in a guy. So if, if they don't please him or if they don't bring him to climax, they struggle with this feeling of self-criticism and failure and stuff like that. But if you roll it over to um, pleasure, then um, you can pleasure each other, enjoy each other for like, for me, it's like two to four hours. And it's, <laughs> it's not, it's being together. It's soft. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, and multiple uh, climaxes. Um, and it's, um, and so the, the shift is, I think it, it breaks out of, you know, the pornographic standard of have to produce something and somebody's a failure if we don't. Yeah. And over into did we share something together, and um, the and when there's a climax, it tends to be bigger or longer. Um, for women, just unending series of like <laughs> orgasms. I mean, the women are just like fountain of youth when it comes to that. Um, so the mental shift over to that is one of like cooperation, but. In that, you've, you know, um, the dynamics are wonderful, beautiful, but it's, it, I, I tend to look to the guy to like lead it, make her feel safe, which it leads into another one. The name Esther Perel is, is um, a name to like pay attention to. She's lovely. She's uh, Belgian. She sounds like she's from France. And um, she highlights that all humans have this, this balance inside be, between craving safety and being at home and um, having reliable people and being loved and and the and the polarity of risk and adventure and i i could see what she's saying from my analytic studies you know if you put a child in your lap and you hug them and hold them and they feel safe and they rock and maybe they nap but they don't want to stay there forever mm -hmm. They, well, they want to get down. So their urge to get down, the, the parent has to cooperate with that because if they get offended of, well, you're leaving me, then the kid feels guilty. Like, is it okay if I, if I go out and play? So they get down and they go play. They use their imagination. They have adventures and they, things like that. But they want to come home. Mm -hmm. They, they want to know, you know, what's safe. So we, we flow between this craving for safety and centering and anchoring and, and then risk and adventure and newness. And couples that are able to like, that understand this and are able to flow between these two can maintain what, uh, what we call an erotic life. An erotic life is that, that realm of floating back and forth it's it's ours it's not oh jd the the national average is like oh man it's gagular it'll make you spit but seven seconds no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> yikes yikes close um from foreplay to finish the average is like 12 minutes it's 
you know it's just yeah, that's, crass it's really crass that's including foreplay that, yes that's awful yeah. yeah so when it comes to like um uh do women or men think about sex you know more or less it's it's understandable that um you know when it's that kind of crass or un you know untender or pulling for verbs when it's not good then they just they just shut it down you know they just don't you know yeah it's it's also i think um i don't know if men do this more than women but it's also i feel like sometimes it's about the performance as opposed to mm -hmm. you know yeah. The, the relationship, the dynamic, the, right. you know, um, and making it into a, a pleasant experience. More yes. about the experience as opposed to the performance. Um, right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, it's like metaphoric. It's like they, they go into their chamber, they do romantic um, things. And so it's not, it's not this hard humping. It's this <laughs> it's 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 gentle hills it's it's like um sensuality um, yeah taking care of each other but to to do that is is a risk it's exciting and she's got to be she's got to be safe with him i vice versa too and mm -hmm. i think um i think you know maybe it's um it's also being vulnerable, right? Yes. And you yes. can only you, you can only truly be vulnerable when you feel safe. Yes, that's it. Yeah. You can let me in a uh, synonymous way. You can only really play when you feel safe. Yes, that's true too. Yes. Uh, so on that note, I'm going to tell you a funny story. So. Okay. All right. <laughs> So uh, this is way back, I don't know, 2011, 2011. Uh, so I was online dating and, um, and, you know, the dating websites, they often like suggest people to you, right? Mm -hmm. Because certain aspects of your mutual profiles match or something. Yeah. Yeah. The, the algorithm deems you're compatible. So there's a you know, whatever. And then, so I think it was one of those. So this guy's profile picture shows up on the suggested list and he's wearing S&M garb, right? And I'm like, what the heck? Oh, this Lord. is some algorithm, right? Really? You think I, I, you know, like wear a match? But I was curious. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. So okay. I clicked, I clicked on it and I read his profile. And um, while the SNM garb, I mean, this is hooded SNM garb. So like you couldn't yes. really even see his face. And I, I can't remember if that was the only picture he had yeah, or if he had other. That he did not have. It's just, you know, like, yeah, like Catwoman yeah. kind of like, you know, yeah. mask. Um, but his profile didn't come across like that, right? He came across like a regular person. So I was curious. Yes, so I did yeah. contact him. <laughs> Way to go, girl. Yeah, no, I did contact him. I said, hey, uh, you know, this 
uh, dating site thinks, you know, we're compatible. And I don't think so, but I was curious. So I'm just contacting you, Gina, just to, for the heck of it, right? Nice. And uh, he actually responded back and he's like, yeah, you're right. And so we both thought it was funny. Yeah. But, um, and, uh, and so he, he was into that lifestyle, the whole fetish lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and so, but I was curious about that because I didn't know anyone personally, yeah. you know, about that lifestyle. The only thing I know about it is through movies and stuff, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so I said, hey, uh, if you don't mind, you know, just meeting one time. Because I have like a million questions. <laughs> you are such an adventurous. Oh, I have like a million questions. And he's like, no, I don't mind. And so we actually exchanged phone numbers and we, you know, arranged the time to meet and all that stuff. So, yeah, so we met. Uh, and then um, we met actually at a bookstore. And then we went uh, to a local park and we were just sitting in the park and just talking. And, yeah. um, and I had a million and one questions and he answered all of them. Wow. Goodness. But he also knew, he also, you know, sensed that I was just being curious as opposed to, I wasn't being judgmental at all. You mm -hmm. know, it's because somebody who's not in, in that lifestyle may be very judgmental about that lifestyle. Right. Uh, but I was genuinely just curious because to me, he seemed like, you know, his profile read like a normal person, except for the, yeah. the fetish lifestyle. And when I met him, he seemed like a normal person, except for, you know, that. And um, uh, right. Oh, yes. But he's, he was also Irish, right? So when when we exchange phone numbers, I don't numbers, know why I don't know why I laughed because it just adds a, a yeah, character to it. It, it does. Um, so he uh, so we didn't actually talk on the phone, but we we seemed to you know uh, miss each other. So he left voicemails, and I was listening to his voicemail, and had this lovely Irish accent. I couldn't tell it was Irish accent, so I sort of texted him. It's like, hey, I also like your accent, English. And he said, no, Irish. And I said, even better. <laughs> I don't Irish, know why. <laughs> Irish, I see. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't that thing. <laughs> it was, um, I think that's sort of like a stereotype Irish accent. But um, yeah, I like it. Yeah. But um, uh, I'm losing my train of thought. OK, so anyway. Yeah. So yeah, so like I thought his voice was sexy. Um, but anyway, so we met, and um, what was the point I was trying to make? Well, he he could he could teach you, you know about. Um, oh yes, I remember the point I was trying to make. Ahead, sorry, sorry. Ahead. So in in me asking him about that whole lifestyle and everything, so one the one thing that I um, I was impressed with actually is the whole concept of consent. He, he, he said, people who actually practice that lifestyle, there's no such thing as rape. Rape does not happen because what it is, it is what they do is they actually, before they do anything, they talk. Mm -hmm. They talk about what they're comfortable with, what they're not comfortable with, what they like, what they don't like. They discuss all these things 
and they agree beforehand how far to take things and you know and i guess they you know you could have safe words and all that stuff but but it's it's almost like um uh you know yeah you you talk through all those things and nothing is uh off limits in terms of what they could talk about um pretty pretty right that way courageous yeah and um and so you know and then and then you do exactly what you agree with you know agree to do and that's Mm -hmm. it um and so yeah so there you know if somebody if somebody's thing is like i don't want to (laughs) i actually don't want to get penetrated and all i want to do is you know cuddle then that's what they'll do right they won't take it further because it is about so the sense of like this mutual pleasuring and mutual um you know respect in that sense and respecting of boundaries and and also respecting of you know fetishes that you know maybe bizarre or whatever like you know nothing's too kinky you know mm-hmm. um yeah. and so yeah so i was actually impressed wow. on that level not that i would actually go into that lifestyle at all uh, but but i think if more people in regular life actually did that there is no misinterpretation right mm-hmm. there is no um uh you know, there is no taking someone beyond what they what they were beyond where they want to go. You know, right. Right. yeah. So yeah. Yeah, there's a um, you know a lot of truth in that. And honestly, one of the first things that comes to my mind is that like he uh, normal in so many other areas of his life, and and then this right, and he sounds comfortable talking about it, describing it, putting it up there. And someone like you, who is like uh, curious and open and re- and truthful, like if something doesn't seem right, you say, oh, that, I don't know that I could do that because that sounds too much. Um, the, you, holding the conversation like that is very therapeutic for people. Mm-hmm. Because they get to talk about their parts of them that um, they can't talk about with anyone else. So you don't mean it as therapy, but it's very therapeutic, you know, for him to be able to talk about things like that. And um, um, everybody's there by consent. And if it, if, if it um, goes too far, you know, then somebody could talk about it with somebody else but they're there to experience that oh yeah what i was going to say because about kink is that um uh my friend has a uh, phrase that everything under the everything in the bedroom should be loving and at the end of it both people should say yeah i feel loved i feel like this was loving then that was a good that was a good night um in tantric which is kind of cool there's we talk about like three circles. The outer circle has so much to do with like self-respect and respecting mm. others and good communication and friendship and truth and honesty and things like that. That 
those are th things that where we carry ourselves with dignity. Once you pair up and become a bit of a couple, the middle circle is area that uh, things that couples can do that you can't do with, with strangers, you do with couples and it's you know romantic and it's loving, challenging. And then the inner circle is for like committed people, um, non-offensive, uh, kink, and it's and it and that is that takes the relationship from safety to risk and back to safety and that's and and you don't you don't go there with unless you're gonna you know be there to support your partner so it, it sounds like you had a good learning time and um, I would venture to say just my opinion that that was very helpful for him very healing for him mm -hmm. to meet you and talk answer your questions talk you through it well the story doesn't end there <laughs> <laughs> you go girl are you going to show me your mask <laughs> no no it doesn't go that far <laughs> okay. what? um what <laughs> no 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 here so here um i i actually had two dates set up that that evening um and he was the first and and i had like after you know that whole talk which took like two hours or something uh i had an hour to kill before my next date and and he also had like an hour to kill before he had to go to work he was a bartender um so we were both like okay well i'm done with my questions like well okay we both have like an hour to kill you wanna come over and i'm like sure now the thing is <laughs> Because of that conversation, yeah. I felt safe, safe enough, you yeah. know, because of my understanding yeah. of his whole world, I felt like, yeah, I don't have to, you know, I don't have to, like, I have no, there's no risk, you know, because yeah. if he wants to do anything, he'll, that's part of his world rules, right? Yeah. He has yeah. to ask. And so, uh, so yeah, it went and, and he's like, you want to see some of my toys? I'm like, okay. So he brings out this box and he's like, showing me all the S&M toys and um, and explaining what they're used for. Wow. And uh, yeah. And then at some point, like, you know, I said, hey, why don't you put that on? And he did. <laughs> 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 and uh, and I asked him, like, what he likes. And uh, he said he likes to be spanked. And I'm like, OK, do you want me to spank you? <laughs> and he said, OK. Oh, so, man. So, yes, he, he was bottomless, actually. He, he did take off his bottoms. And so I was packing his bare bottom. Yeah. It was hard work, actually, because he kept wanting to, <laughs> to, he kept wanting me to spank him harder and harder. And uh, after a while, like, my arm was hurting. <laughs> <laughs> and you know i did it for a few minutes and i'm like you know i said can i stop now and he's like yeah okay and he's like yeah. his butt was like red and then he's like you know he's like well can i spank you and i said okay but over my skirt i'm not taking anything okay. off and he's like okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> not the not on the first date <laughs> so he spanked me a few times yeah. and he's like anything i'm like i don't really feel anything i mean like you know there was no arousal on my part for him it was like you know he was aroused by the whole you know experience but me it's like yeah you're just spanking my butt oh oh this is the funny part sorry 
So he takes a paddle, he spanks me once, and then he stops. And I look at him, he looks at me, and I know exactly what he's thinking. And I said, yes, my butt is very spankable. And he's like, yeah. (laughs) 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 And he he gave me a few more and then, um, yeah. And then I was like, okay, I'm done. You don't hear that every day. <laughs> but now that's something you can take to the grave. It's like no matter how old you are, it's you can be thinking, yes, yeah, I'm very spankable. Yes. No, just my butt. <laughs> yeah, my butt is very spankable. No, I, I, I got that a lot growing up, like, you know, like aunts and uncles and, and you know, and uh, even a teacher. And this is back in the 70s when you know it wasn't like and it was a friendly spank it wasn't you know like pat on the butt kind of thing yeah Yeah. and uh yeah that's where everyone um, commented like yeah your butt's nice (laughs) (laughs) i got that when i was little (laughs) nice and soft and pliable and i i don't know what it is about it but yeah (laughs) Oh man! Wait till your friends hear this. The, oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> JJ, you have the most—you uh, have an adorable, spankable butt. I don't know about now. Uh. <laughs> well, and um, that's where that's where uh, the story—the um, stories we tell—you know—take it erotic, make it erotic. Because if the story you're telling is like, this is just clinical and, you know, and it means nothing and ouch, it's like you've, you know, you've limited the eroticism of it. It doesn't go anywhere. But if, um, if, if there is a story being built up to this, then you've got the mental construct of like, you're connecting the spank with the sudden pain with the surprise with arousal and you know if a guy you know knew how to tell that story um, that could be very arousing Um, so like I tell men um, wait wait, in general or to him specifically or in general the next guy you date I mean if you guys Oh, I see. So if somebody listens to this podcast and and maybe he'll ask me if you want to get spanked. (laughs) Well, he'll he'll work up to it. He'll maybe he'll bring spanking into the conversation a little bit and kind of flirt. So plant the seed and you'll be thinking about it and um, uh, hypnotic ways of like maybe he'll talk about the color red or um, (laughs) he'll he'll show you his jello and he say, look at this, it shakes, it quivers. Um, so there's ways to like, like, um, plant seeds or make people more agreeable to what's being said. The power of words, Mm. girl, the power of language, you know? So if you're going into this with somebody you care about, it's like, well, it could be very, uh, atomic, you know? So the power of words to create and a mood or an invitation so important and i think that's where like when it comes to like when we talk about object objectification for guys 
um, porn has, it's at our last um, training and well, a couple of years ago on sex addiction, they were saying porn is like, it's a juggernaut. It is, um, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, and it, um, as they said, um, porn is in bed with the uh, banking industry because the banking industry uses credit cards to. Uh, so. Yes. Yeah. So there is absolutely no way the banking industry is going to let go of this. And, um, and they talked about the strategies of how porn um, reaches kids young. And this is a strategy I didn't realize. Um, young kid, going to do research on, um, um, on let's say, um, biology. So he's going to, he's going to look up, um, um, you know, do snakes shed, do they molt like that? And he'll pull up um, a hardcore porn site, boom, in your face. And the, the women are not talked of as women, they're talked about as objects and mm -hmm. items. And, and the kid shuts it off like he's like in shock, in yeah. trauma, um, because he can't get his head around it. And, and being in trauma like that, it will, it will pull him back to try to, to resolve the trauma inside of his head. It'll pull him back in just like, a, you know, down a tunnel. And I, I thought that was crazy because I thought if he's shocked, he won't want anything to do with it. But they're saying, no, once you shock somebody, then they, they want to figure it out. They keep thinking about it. They come back uh, around to it. So uh, again, female, Porn is more, has more of a story, more of a connection, more of a loving, you know, a buildup, uh, resolve. And um, that kind of, maybe it starts as uh, romantic novels. Um, huge. I mean, 90% of all the booksellers are that. Um, female porn erotica is increasing. But the male porn is loaded with objects, mm -hmm. loaded with um experiences that are quick and over and there's no relationship and so i i went into this field to, to help with the obsessiveness and porn not out of judgment but out of curiosity and finding what this does to guys when they ingest um mild to hard porn on a regular basis is that it uh the word picture it cauterizes their soul yeah um i recently um uh was listening to a podcast and i forget the guy's name hold on let me actually look it up okay because i think this is important and if you don't already know about him it may be of interest to you to actually um uh look his stuff up thanks i'll take any referrals yeah. and references that you have all this is related so hold on a second uh, sure. i'm trying to remember which episode it was while you're looking it up i'll i'll just add it another thing or two because women are better multitasking but um 
my contention is that um, um, porn actually shuts down a, a guy's creativity and his romanticism because it it's ah. uh, yeah yeah go ahead um yeah you want to finish your thought i found it yeah that it 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 limits a, a man's uh creativity because it tells him this is how it is this is, how, this is what you do and uh, all girls like it and um so oh, it, right it stunts a man's growth you know, yes over, over time Right. Rather than um, experimenting with his partner and figuring out what yes. girls like, what women like, they see it and they think that all women like that. Yeah. Right. Um, so the guy's name is Christopher Ryan. Um, he is um, <clears throat> he's an author and researcher on human sexuality. <clears throat> Excuse me. Good. And his recent book, I don't know if it's a recent book or actually, uh, but it's called Sex at Dawn. And um, and uh, then one of the things he, he's researched was also um, the lifestyle of hunter-gatherer. So this is before agriculture mm -hmm. and, um, and, um, and not how hunter-gatherer societies uh, were very much egalitarian and you know and there was this sort of communal living um you know there wasn't really possessiveness they they shared everything you know what they killed you know what the men hunted and killed they brought back yeah. and everyone shared um and and i can't remember if he said this conclusively or is sort of more of a uh, educated guess that even like partnerships uh, could very well have been not monogamous, but you know there could have been you know many pairings, many couplings, mm -hmm. and not necessarily monogamous. And also the sense of like, um, I think this this maybe this is where it takes a village to raise a child kind of comes from because in that kind of setting you don't just look up you know take care of your own children there is no sense of this is my child no this is our collective children and so everybody took care of you know everybody else that sort of yeah. thing uh so the thing related to sexuality though uh he um so apparently there's you know research done on this that men um <clears throat> kind of form their sexual preference um, fetishes or, or whatever uh, at um, fairly an early age um, yeah. Yeah. and and um, and the experiences that they have uh, so particularly like so men grow up knowing exactly what they like and they kind of sort of stick to that they like this um, women on the other hand uh, especially heterosexual women, they kind of like everything. <laughs> <laughs> you, I, that's a compliment. There's a compliment in there for you girls. It's like, yeah, 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 they like everything. So th I think the experiment was they they took um, homosexual men, heterosexual men, homosexual women, and heterosexual uh, women, and 
and they showed them, I think, images of different kinds of, you know, sexual images, you know, um, maybe gay sex and heterosex and, you know, all kinds of different things. So apparently the heterosexual men um, or maybe men in general responded to specific things, um, but heterosexual women responded to everything. <laughs> <laughs> Stop the press. This has to be known. So we don't discriminate. I, I may yeah. be misquoting some of the details, um, you know, because this is, you know, I was listening to the podcast and I'm trying to, you know, recall that from memory. So, uh, but yeah, but anyway, so the point I was trying to make is that, um, that the, um, you know, relating to what you were saying about porn and, and how it's reaching younger and younger audiences, you know, oh, yeah. because of the internet and everything, that it is especially dangerous or, or can be, you know, destructive or dysfunctional, especially if when it gets to, uh, you know, when young boys mm -hmm. and yeah. girls too, I suppose, but boys in particular, because of, right. you know, how they're wired, that that can also, that can doom them for a life, you know, if, yes. yeah, if they, if they watch torture porn, and then they get aroused, that mm -hmm. will cement in them, you know, that this is what they like, you know, and they'll yeah. try to like recreate that. Um, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I don't know if I'm exaggerating, but no, yeah. no, I think you're, I think you're speaking some real important truths. Uh, and um, in those zero to eight years where I, you know, I, I believe we're kind of figuring out how to survive. What does it take to survive in this world? Who do you have to partner with? How, how do you keep mom and dad, you know, alive to put that temp, that, template over boys being introduced to porn zero to eight um there i think it would influence it like here's how to be a survival survivalist mm -hmm. here's how to be a winner in life you dominate this or you submit to this and you know pray that the captor you know so i think what comes out of that is that they it's it's not it's not really that they know what they like but that's how they get started and launched. And then, and then be, men don't talk about sexuality. So they're 20 and 30 years old. And they just think that what they, what they like is what they like. Um, right. But it's not really, um, it's, I've got, I've got a book over here called the sexual mind. And when guys are able to, to resolve early trauma, um, they, they find that they might like, uh, other things and but I have heard that women and I forgot the term that women tend to be more um, I don't want to say ubiquitous I don't know if that's the right term but yeah women are, have a wider variety of what they can enjoy um, if they're safe to enjoy it you know? yeah I think it, it really is about um Yeah, if they are made to feel safe and loved, then yeah. 
right? Yeah. I was, yeah. I, was um, I think I think it's uh, uh, kind of a true truism here that you know because of because of uh, you know a number of the I don't know I'll just I'll just go here that that women are responsible they keep a line on like what needs to be done things like that so it's hard for them to shut off you know that part of responsibility responsibility so when they're invited in i was really disappointed to hear like some very high level women saying that um when uh, in romance women don't ever turn off their mind they're always thinking about this or that and i think no my reaction was no not not that's not true yeah i for a woman to shut off her that responsible part of her mind um she is she's got to be trusting that whatever she looks like sounds like that he loves it and when she's when she's there it's kind of cosmic because when it's um, spiritual woman um, has all kinds of alternate experiences when she when she can be completely off the grid and safe and pleasured um, she's in bliss and and when she can attain that kind of level with, with a guy when he's safe and strong enough to do that um, he can hold her in that blissful state, that orgasmic state. He can hold her there for, I mean, I'd say like 20 to 40 minutes, but legends have it. He can hold her there for like an, an hour and a half. And it's a blissful kind of vibrating state where she, she can't think, doesn't want to think. And her body is just or, or, orgasming for like uh, half an hour at a time. And it's very, very good for the woman's body. It rejuvenates all kinds of organs uh, inside of her. So it's, a, it's an experience you just don't forget, but to find a partner that can take you there is mm. um, rare. But yeah, when, and so a woman will find, can enjoy, many different things to get to that that orgasmic spot state with within so in or, your in your counseling whether you're counseling couples or or not um do you, i mean obviously i guess i'm assuming that you talk about all these things with them rarely really um, yeah because most most people are stuck like on that outer outer circle of um, uh, stereotypes and myths and um, triggers and things. They mostly, I'd say they're they're stuck in a blame culture. Uh. Somebody did this to me. Um, kind of a victim mentality. Um, they're enculturated to like draw the line and judge. So. Um, they have, they alienate each other with blame and victim, you know, and shame, um, shame, fear, guilt. Those are three culprits. I went into this by the, 
by the time they could get into that second thing, second circle, um, they're uh, working together, they're cordial, and it's more um, like date night and manners and how do you treat somebody. And so for a couple to get to that circle of talking about kink and bliss and you know, making love for two to four hours and, and um, persistent orgasm. Um, you know, maybe 15, 10, 15% of the couples get there. So mm. um, most of the time they're happy with what they got. And um, so I don't see them, but so rarely <laughs> I'll, I'll get to coach a couple into that mm. inner circle. Wow. When we, when we do, I mean, it's incredible for life. I mean, they just, you know, they, they're so loyal and to each other and they, um, and they have to readjust their, you know, their um, relationship as mm -hmm. time goes on. Because how you do romance before kids is different from doing romance afterwards. Um, so their relationship evolves. Um, Esther Perel says, I've, I've had three different marriages to the same man. Meaning we've transitioned. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's a healthy way of looking at it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I think, um, you know, often we, we kind of get stuck in like, this is not who I married or this is not the person I fell in love with or yeah. because we all change. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We change. And, and if we don't adapt, then you get to that spot of this is, isn't who I married. And, and then guys have the uh, vulnerability. They stray because they don't work it out, you know, relationally. And when it comes to like therapy, um, there's something like uh, open that women are open to like uh, learning, teaching, growing. But there's something about guys, and maybe it goes all the way back to primitive, that if you um, learn from another guy, if you tell the truth to another guy, get vulnerable that he'll steal your cave woman. Like if you show any mm. vulnerability, he'll, he'll dominate. So it's, um, it's a challenge for, you know, uh, guys to, um, learn and it and it's just and it's not i'm not telling them how to do it i'm telling them like unlocking what they can do with their woman and um one of the romantic pictures i give them is that um like medieval i love the medieval theme and um for a man to move back into his wife's heart and talk about the, the ways he let her down, scared her, you know, um, left her unprotected stuff and resolve that with her. He is virtually erasing those blemishes out of her memory. As he does, we're not, we're not pretending it didn't happen, mm. but it takes courage to address those and mend them um, in her heart as her heart um, 
gets healed, her, more of her heart comes in into the game, into the marriage. So he's getting, he's recovering, uh, an amazing woman. And then I, I coach him to go back and for him to stand in the gap for where teenage boys have misused her, um, where her father's disappointed her, let her down. It's something incredibly powerful for a man to stand in the gap and say, I am sorry for what these guys did to you. You know, we would have done something different. And he brings honor to her, um, healing to her. Um, Tantric, we have a ceremony of uh, a a yoni, you know, healing. And he puts his hand on her and he can heal like places where her, her, Yoni was misused, but for a man to go back in into her history and stand in the gap and humbly apologize for what other men have done, that heals something in her. And and I tell him, uh, no matter how much you give give a woman, you won't outgive her, because women are generous and they're bountiful and they create things to give and. And so if he gives her something, she'll give him four. And uh, it shows up in her being sensual, her being giving, her being adoring and honoring. So if he gives her something, she'll give him four or five back. I, I say, you can't give her as much as you want to. You can't outgive her. And so when you have a relationship like that, honoring and healing and... Um, giving and generous and serving and um, his ego is not the primary thing is his phallus is not the center point it's like yeah now you got a marriage and that's Uh, what about the reverse um when the man is the one who's traumatized how would his uh, partner um, like what would his partner need what what does he need from his partner um, both the, the the nurturer and and the warrior I mean he um, he needs that honesty that scrutiny he needs he needs to know that when he hits those pockets of trauma that she'll like she'll override her urge to make it all, make it better and she'll empower him to you know come through it do the right do the right thing you know um, I feel like I'm stumbling through this there there's a, a a woman that can heal a man a lot um, but at the deepest levels where he was um, abused um, that's probably a healing that he can only get from another guy. You can go there with him. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So. Um, why? Why is that? I, I, I mean, could, I I I understand it, and I would agree with that as well. But I'm just curious. Yeah, why is that? 
I think I'll be explaining something you know intuitively. Um, on the surface, the social level, um, relationships uh, sort of jockey for like who's going to be the parent, who's going to be the child. And if a woman, you know, takes the mothering role, the nurturant, the over, I call it over functioning when she does for him what he needs to do for himself, um, it turns her off because she, um, she her mm -hmm. loses respect. She doesn't, crassly put, she doesn't want to have sex with her son. And from a man to go back there, there's a true, a truism that says there's something he needs to get from the male community that he can't get from a woman. Once a man, if a man doesn't get it, then he grows up needy. And a, a needy male is a, a turnoff to a woman. And when he gets that need met, when he belongs to the male community, he knows who he is, what gifts he has, what t skills and talents. When he gets affirmed by the male community, then he then he is generous, then he is the fountain, then he gives compliments, he's generous to the woman. His ego is in check, Doesn't not always about him. Um, once he gets that need met, then he is very, becomes very attractive to the woman. So men who are needy um, show up in, they, they, they show up in, ways that they they don't only seem needy like if he gets hurt and withdraws that's um that's kind of a, a needy state or i roughly put it's hurtful but it's a it's a negative narcissism when men get wounded and they pull back and sometimes i see it on the surface like oh i get it i'm i'm always wrong it's all my fault it's uh, I'm your biggest problem, aren't I? And it's, uh, he's not supporting her. He's like pulling her into his, you know, pit, self-pity, sorrow, stuff like that. So if he is the needy one, it uh, they lose they lose the polarity. They lose the spark. Um, it's quite a turnoff. I don't know if that is uh, commonly known, though, because yeah. I can see that if a woman feels that um, she can be healed and restored in the relationship with a man, I mean, healed by the man in that relationship, then it's it may seem logical that, oh, he should be able to be healed by, you know, my love, you know, uh, that I can heal him. And in fact, actually, that is a very common kind of, um, uh, you know, conception that women have that I can fix him, you know, mm -hmm. I yes. can, yeah. Um, can my love will fix him. Yeah. Um, and and make the distinction when it's a when it's a girlish fantasy 
then there's an um, an element of like magic in it, unicorns and pink clouds. Up. My love will heal. And so you get women hooked up with um, stray dogs and and uh, irresponsible guys, and um, because my love and that's that's similar to the boyhood fantasy of um, you know that I'm great, that all I need is this magic pill and um, you know, I'll be super human like that. And for, for men, we have to put that boyish, that boyhood fantasy, you know, to an end. If you want to be good at the piano, you have to practice. If you want to be good with tools, you have to practice. If you, you know, you have to put in the hard work and then you can be a maestro and a baseball player, but you give up that boyhood fantasy that it suddenly happens to you. The women that I think are really empowering um, uh, are um, like you, you can see them through history. They have strong characteristics and they expect strong things of men like uh, uh, Guinevere or um, um, Angelina Jolie or um, I was watching a TV series called The Outlander. She's very mm. feminine, all, very feminine, but she expects high of men and so let me take that notion and say of all people um, like it, it shows up in first corinthians 5 16 i think it says for we no longer view people from a human point of view so when i engage with somebody i'm thinking there's a story in there you have a story to tell probably worth a novel if anybody wrote it down you are better than that you are great so i'm not I'm not judging where they are. I'm just saying you're, you're more than that. You have more inside of you. So what would it take to, for you to rise up to, to your best? So I'm always thinking, uh, as we say, I'm having a big listening of people. And if women had a, a big listening of people, like I, I care for you or respect you, um, but I know you can do better. I know you can do more. Um, men will rise up. See, here, oh, man, I didn't expect to get here. Women have an immense amount of power on this earth, but they don't use it. They don't know it. I would agree with that, yeah. If they hold a high standard for men, I know you could do this. Um, men will rise up to it. If they have a low standard, if they have a small listening of men, men will shrink to it. Most men will shrink. Um, um, I forgot this uh, great guy. I, I can't remember his name, but he, he went to speak on a university campus. Um, and, he, and he got into campus and he's talking to these this group of guys. And he said, I noticed in town that um, the women were having like two for Tuesday, like a hand job for two bucks. And um, and the guys all said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we don't like to admit that we all go there on Tuesdays. And he said, um, why not more expensive? Um, and they said, I don't know. They just set the price that low and it's good for us. Um, so if women expect low of men, you know, ask low men, we shrink. So women, here's, this is interesting too. 
um, in the entertainment industry, song, everywhere. People are breaking taboos, you know. Um, um, we we ac accept and expect uh, divorce, breakups, infidelity, things like, or, you know, cheating, things like that. But the one standard that women have not let down on is affairs. That in Hollywood, they, they try to push the limit of like sitcoms making fun of it, movies making fun of it. And women put their foot down and said, mm -mm, you can't mess with this. That's the one place that hurts too much to be betrayed. Mm. And so we, we have a, a greater intolerance for betrayal. We have a greater tolerance for breaking up and divorce and stuff like that. So women have, women have an immense amount of power that they don't realize. Back in the 60s, um, women's live and things like that. And, and you know, some of the forces that went into it, uh, male chauvinism and, you know, we were just like knuckleheads with it. So we break out free love, bra burning, free sex, all that. When you look back on it, uh, it's like, um, uh, you know, many of the guys are saying, cha-ching, you know, we benefited yeah. from that. They spread their legs quick. They got pregnant. We walked away. Um, it's like the language. How, how do we get off calling women, you know, whores and stuff? And there's no equivalent for men. Um, so, the, the, what? Gigolo? Yeah, yeah. But it's not, a, it's not always a detrimental thing. No, it's not, somebody. yeah. So, um, to fight for equality and fairness and respect, these are all um, good and great things. You know, wake up, men, wake up, treat women with more respect. Yeah, but, but th to, those those words existed before women's lib. Um, to fight for yeah. the same rights, uh, the same things as men, it's like somebody's blinded here, you know, because to... Uh, to be like a man and have indiscriminate sex and callous and have not care. It's like, that's not a great prize. Right. And I would say um, that the equal treatment, equal respect, equal rights that women had sought, rather than seeking them in their own right, that in essence, we try to become men. Mm -hmm. There you go. That's, and, that's the catchphrase. Right, exactly. Because it's like, well, we should be treated as men are treated. Um, how, and, how would you say it differently? Because I have, I want you to say it differently and more I, powerfully. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I agree with you that women have immense power in terms of how uh, how men are shaped, how society is shaped. And what I find interesting is the women's uh, liberation movement did not necessarily tap into that. 
that rather than tapping into that and making that stronger in essence i feel like in some ways or on some level we gave that up uh, in the name of you know equal rights yeah yeah and um and you know what's interesting is not only was it a detriment to women but it's also a detriment to men because by mm -hmm. doing this we made men less men. Yes. And I think <laughs> yes, I love the, love that you say that that when you say something like that it's like uh, um, uh, I am drawn towards you know, the honor of you saying that you say that and you speak to the hearts of many many men. But keep yeah. going. Keep going. And and I think um, this you know you know that um, you know, there's a lot of confusion in terms of what masculinity is and, and how boys mm -hmm. today are growing up completely yeah. confused as to how yes. they should be. Yes. Uh, because no matter what they do, they're being told they're wrong. Yes. That's not how they should Thank be. You. Um, Thank you. And, and whose fault is that? I, I hate, you know, I, I may get like hate mail if anybody is actually listening for this, but I would say it's women's fault. I'm sorry. It is. Because as much as um, men have the responsibility not to uh, abuse their power, uh, women also have the responsibility to the men to become good men. Yes. Oh, my God, that you're a goddess for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I I don't know how many people actually think this. We're responsible to each other and yes. we both did disservice. Yes. See, when, when for the last 30 years when men are crushed and everything they do is wrong and then now we're at a spot where um, men don't wanna try. These yeah. young men, they don't wanna try. And so they'll go home and play um, Halo and Game Boy and, and get high on weed. And um, now, because everything they do is wrong anyway. I, so they don't want to go to community college and knock out an AA, keep going. I am, I am actually astounded to the, you know, to the sheer percentage of men who have not gone off the deep end. That still, you know, majority of men are are good. I mean, they're they're figuring it out on their own, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and also, I I don't know if I could say that about women. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, because what you're saying is I, like, man, you it's know, gold. it's golden. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I will say this. I do have a tendency to uh, shit on myself more than other people. So if I'm talking men, women, I do have a tendency to shit on women more than men. And if I'm talking like race or, you know, whatever, like uh, identity, you know, uh, aspect of identity you want to 
talk about like I do have a tendency to shit on like what I identify with more than the other so that said um well uh, yeah when you said that it's more women's fault I would I would pull that back a, a little bit and say let's let's not go to fault let's just yes it's about that right so that that's uh, true um around, and around and i wouldn't say and i'm not saying it's entirely women's fault that's not fair either yes they take their responsibility yeah when they do uh, we adore women that do um, my friends say that i'm harder on men because i because i think it's you know i hold men to a high standard of like you know protecting that being chivalrous honor things like that my friends say you put too much on men i i hear that i don't know that i do but around me yeah. if i if i sense you you know shitting on yourself i i will stop you know i'll just interfere and say don't don't go there because it is it's there's a there's a dance of mutual honor yes. mutual respect where we can listen big to each other bring out the best in each other um, or listen small and what you're saying right now is is a big listening of men um, because like jordan peterson is so funny sometimes um do you, do you recognize the name no i i know him yeah i know okay. his work yeah yeah and he, and he said he says uh, you know men are feeling so frustrated kids teenagers are feeling so frustrated and he says um uh to the guys he said well you may not be able to do much maybe today you can't do anything but by god you can pick up that rock and move it over there you can do that that's so funny that's exactly how he says it <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly how it sits and you know what i find interesting is the criticism you know he gets all different kinds of criticism one criticism that i heard uh that i get is so it's it's ridiculous is uh you know his 12 steps uh not 12 steps 12 rules for life yeah. uh, ever yeah. since he uh, published that book and and you know would do a book tour and speaking engagements and all that stuff and the comment or the criticism is that the majority of his audience are men mm -hmm. and as if that's criticism like yeah. well good for them yes there should be more <laughs> of them I listening agree. to him and reading thank his you. book and and you. you know um being guided we should thank him yes <laughs> for yes. helping so many men because somebody needs to help men yes yeah somebody's got to reach them and um this guy he tapped something and people yeah. listen which is um, um one of the uh background noises back when freud and jung were talking and um uh, they each developed a model of yeah, of human mind and Freud's persisted for you know hundreds of years and Jung kept saying he he just found a better metaphor than me I mean he had he connected in ways that people so Jordan Peterson does he says you can do this there's a infamous little clip of an admiral speaking to the graduating class and he's and he says you know um, bigotry won't be tolerated 
and he says, do one thing, just same thing as move the rock. He says, make your bed, make your bed. Then you do one thing of excellence. Um, and then if you go out into the world and you get your butt kicked, you come home and you look at that bed and you say, I did one thing, good. And um, for me, it became my kitchen sink. It's like, uh, I want to, it cleans, you know, before I leave, I want to come over because it's like an anchor point. Do something of excellence and then start and build from there. Um, so it's absolutely we, as a dance. We need um, honor and respect. And, and what I think what men, I say men, men and women realize is that it's not that we're powerless. We have to discover our power mm -hmm. and choose to use it on behalf of other people because um, we can use power to dominate and intimidate and fear and manipulate people um, or we use power on other people's good a king a man um, creates a, an atmosphere of protection for everyone around him and he he heals, he empowers people, he heals them. He, so um, in my mind, he goes down into the courtyard and he talks to the baker and he says, do you have enough flour? And the guy says, yeah, I got enough. He says, okay. He goes over to the painter and says, do you have enough pigment? And he says, yeah, I need a little bit more. Makes a note, he gets it to him. He empowers his people. A man who comes to power and then intimidates people crushes them puts his thumb that's that's not a king that's not a leader that's a tyrant that's a dictator so we can find power but we must always use it to benefit ourselves and other people yeah and and i would say that that abuse of power is not necessarily a male thing women right. can be just as um, corrupting or corrupted yes. in yeah. whatever position of power or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, well said. in relationship. Well said. Yeah. I mean, you've heard the term uh, male toxicity mm -hmm. or, yeah. or the, no, to toxic, toxic masculinity. Yeah, toxic masculinity. Um, but they fail to mention there's toxic femininity as well. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You no. are you are my hero oh. for saying that. Yeah. But but it's true, you know. And and it's not like just men can be toxic. Women can be right. just as toxic, right. you know. At, you know, in a in a way, uh, male toxicity is like it's aggressive, it's blunt, and it's you know can be very oppressive. Mm -hmm. Women toxic, female toxicity is uh, is insidious. <laughs> yes, yes. To put a word to it, it, it is insidious. It's uh, verbal. Um, verbal, Women. emotional, uh, yeah. yeah, relational, yeah. So it's not a question. I mean, it's it's absurd. It's a fantasy to say that there's only male toxicity. Uh, there's no female female. So women don't make mistakes. They don't stumble. They don't. It's like, what, women are perfect and angels? I know. So if we're curious, we say, what is um, toxic femininity? And for that, if we don't get stoned or 
run off a short bridge or you know castigated it's like it's you know I, that's a that's why i think you're a hero is that you for you to have this conversation with me is i mean that's a sword wielding woman i mean but think about it, it, it i i reject uh toxic masculinity as a notion period why not because it doesn't exist because one it makes me a victim makes mm -hmm. women yes like why why would i give him that power and you know yes. and, and 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 yes it exists but do you think like toxic femininity doesn't exist like right. we can be just as <laughs> well so i i sort yes. of rejected on 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 those levels i mean i'm not naive i'm not naive to think like there is no such thing as you know toxic males or you know or oppressive males or whatever yeah. but yeah. but i mean if you want to be honest about it uh you know that's that's i love yeah. you for saying that because it's it's if you want to be honest if you want to be rational if you want to be reasonable if you want to it's it's just solid thinking to say to ask be curious what is because because not all men are toxic we, no. make, we make mistakes we, we stumble we're not all toxic. right but but i don't think that's the argument it's not that all uh, i think masculinity is toxic so therefore yes. every yes. male has some level of toxicity right i think that's the argument and is. yes, if that's true, then every woman have some level of toxicity as well. Yeah. And, and so to make just one side, you know, put all the blame on one side and not any responsibility on the other side is is just blatantly wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I just it's um uh, it's um to, to say it softly, the direction it goes is like uh, towards uh, self-destruction, lunacy, things like yeah. that. Um, and that, and that's where I might come around and say it's just wicked. And, and I mean, I don't understand. Like, what what would women possibly gain by putting every male on trial that way? Mm -hmm. and, and say, you know, that we are completely blameless in, yeah. in any of this. Just doesn't make sense to me. No. I mean, okay, you know what? Um, I'm also like I I am speaking uh, uh, from some level of ignorance because I didn't actually like read up on what the definition of some of these terms are and all that stuff. Like I didn't do that level of research, so it is it is based on sort of like what I'm hearing in the air as opposed to mm -hmm. like deep dive research into what this thing is that people are talking about but you know so i'm just kind of going on general impressions sure. you know so there's that so if i'm mischaracterizing you know any of these things uh well, then you know i apologize but but from what i can gather and yeah. sort of like you know the um just the rhetoric and how how it's talked about mm -hmm. and um and you know yeah it's that's that's what i'm gathering so so yes that's what i'm responding to there and and that's how that's how um um 
society advances that's how we get enlightened is dialogue yes conversation like this and we're both we both go and um we both get, get off camera and we go do a deep dive and we talk with people like what is this but we're curious about it what is this and what do women have to gain by doing this um prager university has a powerful um five minute video on um restoring masculinity and the uh, one of the points is um if we if we neuter men if we make them all nice uh hairy women as Alison armstrong <laughs> used to say if we make them nice there will be some men who are beasts and those men will rise up and dominate everybody yes so it takes strong men to stop bad men uh, is the motto and and there it is it takes noble men honorable men who have power and know how to use it on everybody's behalf and when it's rare but when i i meet men who know how to live like that then if they if they call for action i know it's not just based on their ego i know it's based on it's going to help the community so it takes a while to get to get that reputation yeah selfless um so i think maybe i think a good note to maybe end is what message would you give to men out there and then after that what message would you give to women out there oh man <laughs> putting you on the spot sorry yeah. well um will you help with this like i'll kick out something if you can oh okay it. okay um yeah you know what pops into my mind is like um uh, i want to start with like be authentic be you know which means be honorable um but be uh, be honest be true to yourself um man that's there's other things that come to mind other things we talk i talk about with men all the time but um i think that's that's what pop just immediately popped in my mind is be authentic be real be honest um honest authentic the word authentic though is one of those nebulous words i feel like uh i know what the word means and i mm -hmm. guess people have a general sense of what you're talking about but i feel like it's one of those like words that i don't know but yes be authentic okay so let me just ask you then uh what do you mean by be authentic Mm. Oh, um, it, it starts nebulous, but it goes honor, honor yourself, honor others, because like I, I've taken it on as a life motto, is that wherever I go, I create a culture of honor. Mm. Um, so in my presence, nobody gets demeaned and things like that. So wherever I am. Uh, I create a culture of honor. So I would say to men, 
um, uh, wherever you are, create a culture of honor. And, and that kind of leaves it up to them to like ponder like, what is honor? Mm-hmm. Well, good, good. If you haven't pondered that for a bit, ponder it. Um, how do you live it out? And be brave, be your bravest self. You know. Mm. So if you know if you do that, I think everybody around you benefits. I think definitely the concept of honor is sort of uh, not in the common uh, vernacular. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's not a term that's really used a lot in in modern times, or I guess yeah. technically we're postmodern. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's. I think that's great. Uh, so, what would you say? Uh, to women I was dreading that because I was going blank and I didn't I didn't know how to like create static here like ah I think the internet's breaking up I'll see ya (laughs) (laughs) now are are you are you saying that because you're a man and um Yeah, yeah kind of I just I was just like blank and I was saying I don't Man, I, I think I, uh, I think something that you said earlier is, is sort of is apt. I think um, that we need to hold men to higher standards. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now that doesn't mean that we browbeat them. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I think we need to hold them to a higher standard, but with compassion. Yes, compassion. You know when. When you said uh, there were a couple of things that you said that were so compassionate, and it, and it implies you you understood um, that you know that the male journey was tough, and there was something yeah. about the way you said that it was like oh my gosh I don't know what did I say well it's recorded so I guess we could yeah <laughs> there's something so um, wonderful about that. Um, I did some training with Alison Armstrong, and she said, "I, I like men. I, yeah. you know, I adore men. It's like, and for us guys, um, it's just, we just don't hear it that often. Yeah. And when a woman says it, it's very regal, it's very sexy. Yeah. <laughs> when a I, woman says, "I, I dig men. I, I like men. Yeah. I actually, uh, I think, um, so." I'm a little biased though, um, uh, because I was a tomboy or tomboyish when, you know, I wasn't, I was never athletic. So I didn't like, you know, exhibit uh, the stereotypical tomboyishness of like climbing trees and playing ball and, and all that sure. stuff. Um, but, um, but I wasn't a girly girl and I was never a girly girl. Although like in later in life in my thirties, I did go through a girly period where, um, you know, I, yeah, really got into clothes and I was wearing high heels all the time and, you know, and <laughs> cute dresses and skirts and, and actually here's a funny story. So one time, so during that period, yeah. like I knew, like for some reason, like I knew how to like pick out clothes that fit me. Like I learned, how to do that and nice. um and so there was during that period a couple of times one time uh i had the skirt and and you know top on nothing fancy 
but this particular skirt, again, going back to my bottom, uh, really accentuated my hips. And, and I was walking, I was on my way to a date actually. And, uh, and I heard in the background, this guy saying, damn girl. <laughs> as I walked past him and uh and I was like all right cool <laughs> and then another time uh again I was walking uh going somewhere and this guy so I was walking this way and this guy was talking walking toward me and it was pretty late at night so there wasn't a lot of people on the street and um and he kept looking at me and uh and then but I wasn't offended by it because I think like because sometimes you can tell you can intuit like if somebody's leering at you or or looking at you admiringly Admiring, and yeah. yeah and so it was this it was in this case and he actually stopped and he said I'm sorry I just have to tell you that you have some great legs and oh. yeah <laughs> and I'm like don't apologize thank you and I walked on. <laughs> That is sweet. We see, yeah, you receive yeah. um, some compliments well, which is very, very uh, sexy. During that period, during that period, I did because I, I knew how, like, I think I finally got to the point where I was um, comfortable with the outward femininity and knew mm -hmm. how to dress it up you know, in a complimentary way. Um, now I, I've kind of gotten lazy. I just like, I, I'll just wear all black and whatever, whatever's comfortable <laughs> yeah. Yeah, is fine. It's like, yeah. I'm not fishing for compliments anymore. But during that period of my life, it's like, I really got into it, you know? And, and the thing is, when you really get into something, your confidence shows. And when your confidence yes. shows, you carry yes. yourself differently and it's yes, very attractive. Do. Yeah. Yes, you do. And, um... It was also during that time when I had that date with a, you know, BDSM guy. Wow. <laughs> I think I think you ought to uh, consider. <laughs> was that? Anyway, so going back to the, my point. Um, um, sorry. So. No, uh, let me. Um, oh yeah. Uh, uh, let me. Here's a, a motto: Men, men are drawn to, uh, attracted to women who enjoy being, women. So whatever that looks like, it's like if you yeah. enjoy being yourself. And there's a great book. It's a gem of a book. It's uh, it's called uh, A Good Girl's Guide to Bad Girl Sex. <laughs> Good Girl Guide to Bad Girl Sex. And one of the first things she says is uh, she, she coaches women on how to walk. She says, imagine a string connected to your pelvis and pulling you along like that. The women uh, that I know that have read that, they say it it's amazing. You get more, a lot more looks, uh, you know, when you when you walk like that. So, anyway, but, um, so your your the hips move you forward. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Actually, so, there there was an episode in I Love Lucy, where oh. yeah, I forget why, but uh, Lucy and Ethel uh, had to go through some like charm school type of training or something and this woman comes to Lucy's apartment and and uh you know tells them how to walk you know and um and that's exactly yeah. what she said you have to walk from your hips you know lead with your hips yeah Lucy way to go I love Lucy yeah that was back in 50s 50s yeah 50s yeah, yeah. 
um, help me with this on like what to say to um, to women because um, I want to say you know what pops in my mind is like what we've been talking about like um, respect yourself because um, I think if they respect themselves they'll hold a high standard yeah I think um you know I think what you know one thing I mean there were there were you know a bunch of positive things that did come out of the women's liberation movement mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not you know shit on the whole thing but um yeah, yeah I think one thing um that you know one positive thing that did come out is it gave it did give women a voice or get, we give women permission to voice yeah. what they want you know yeah. and not suppress you know things and not you know un uh sort of live in that world of you know oppressiveness or or suppression that it's important uh to to know who you are and know what you want and to go after it. But it doesn't have to be uh, in the in the way where it's uh, it's then oppressive to men, you know? Right. And right. and people might think like, how could women possibly oppress men? Yeah, we can. <laughs> <laughs> Thank sure you we, for saying that. Sure we can. Thank yes. You know, and um, but it's true. We we do hold a lot of power, and with a lot of power also comes responsibility and yes. wielding it properly, right? Wielding yes. it to yes. in a way that heals and brings together and empowers, um, you know, and you know, women talk about empowering themselves. We also need to empower men. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I would tell my. If it's a value that I have. I would tell my boys growing up, I'd say, um, if you ever have a chance to make yourself feel good by making someone else feel bad, pass on it. Don't yeah. take it. Don't go there. Um, so use, you know, cultivating power, understanding your power. If it, if it's at, at the expense of someone else, it's like, yeah, not worth it. Yeah, it's um, it's not a zero sum game. <laughs> right. Power is not a zero sum game, actually. Mm. It's not um, that, but it's often only thought of in that dynamic. There's, there's, you know, there's the oppressor and the oppressed. Right. But that is not the definition of power. That's right. That is one one manifestation of yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I think I've, uh, I'm certain that what you just said is at the crux of this national crisis that um, people have been selling the story and promoting the story that it's that if someone, you know, achieves it's, it's, it's at, at someone else's expense. And that is not the, that's not the best use of power or the best definition. Yeah. Um... But, but I do also get where that comes from because the the most apparent examples are, it, it is that dynamic, you know, uh, but there are other ways, better mm -hmm. ways. Yeah. Sure. And that's why we want to be different, expect different. Exactly. Yes. So that's it. Be different. 
Yeah. Expect different. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I think we've, we've been talking for almost four hours. So I think we should. Like... Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, this... Anyway. So yeah, Raymond Jones, <laughs> thank you so much. It's, it's been great talking to you. This has been wonderful. And actually, uh, we do have, you're coming back, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. We're coming back next month and we'll, we'll talk about more things. And okay. um, so thanks everyone for listening. Uh, please tune in next time. And, um, you know, oh, oh, I've been asking my guests to do this. So mm-hmm. will you tell the listeners to, uh, to subscribe to my channel? <laughs> yes, definitely subscribe because uh, this is high level conversation. It's fun. It's robust and it's, uh, it, uh, it, everybody benefits from this so subscribe subscribe i don't think you hit the bell down below yeah well yeah there is a there is a link down below yeah okay hit the bell hit the subscribe button subscribe and add a comment because i i think that helps your the algorithm uh comment like share do everything yeah yes (laughs) and and get all excited and then go to a sneezing party and and uh, have fun sneezing party what is that I was at a spinoff of um, um, Steve Martin. He says, let's get all excited and go to a yawning party. Oh, I see. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, Stay on for a minute. I'm just going to stop the recording. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's right. I stopped the recording and then uh, we talk for a few minutes. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye.